He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd hole. Colby Powell back with you. Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys here. Did a great job holding it down while I was out last week. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. We're glad to be here on a U.S. Open Monday, a John Rom Monday. If ever you were to believe in the golf gods, you have to believe that they were with John Rahm yesterday at Torrey Pines. He deserved a trophy, and he got a trophy. How about those putts on 17 and 18, boys? Unbelievable. Just absolutely electric. Torrey Pines just set up for a great leaderboard at 5 p.m. Central Time yesterday. We had every big name in golf, it seemed like, uh, up there on the leaderboard. We'll get more into that, but Colby, it's great to have you back, my dog. Man, it's good to be back. Y'all held it down last week. That was good stuff. That was good stuff. I- I'm glad to see you. Normally, when you go on vacation, you come back with an injury of some sort. Uh, <laughs> your shoulder's out of place. Your knee's broken, but you got all your limbs attached, no casts and everything. You're talking normally. You didn't have a stroke on us or anything so I mean I mean you're doing well so it's good to see that you made it and you even played uh, Prairie Dunes during your vacation as well I did yeah I uh we don't usually like take it easy on vacations we're not go lay on the beach people we're yeah. go skiing people or this time we went whitewater rafting stuff like that uh Prairie Dunes was pretty sweet fellas I mean it was Torrey Pines is pretty sweet but man Prairie Dunes is it, it's a little bit different we'll get some more into the round at Prairie Dunes uh later in the show U.S. Open I mean guys it was it was unbelievable. I honestly thought Thursday and Friday were just kind of so-so. Everybody, I thought, was feeling out the course a little bit. And then Saturday and Sunday, both rounds, were just absolute electricity start to finish. Yesterday, I mean, there was a spot on the back nine before Bryson started to unravel and everybody started to unravel that I was looking at the leaderboard. And I'm like, there are still 10 guys that can win the golf tournament. We had probably an hour and a half of golf left. And I'm looking at the leaderboard saying there are 10 guys who can win the golf tournament. And then 45 minutes later, there's two guys who can win the golf tournament. It's unbelievable how that back nine played out. Yeah, no doubt. I'm looking here at the leaderboard, like I said, from 5 p.m. Central Time. And this was when Bryson DeChambeau was through number 10. You had Bryson DeChambeau and Louis Oosthuizen in the lead. You had Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, and Mackenzie Hughes in tied for third, and then tied for eighth, uh, two shots back or three shots back was Xander Shoffley, uh, Scotty Scheffler, and Russell Henley, who started and led most of the tournament. So, I mean, I just thought it was. It, Torrey Pines was great for a U.S. Open, in my opinion. I think the reason why it may have been a little boring the first two to three days, three, uh, two and a half days, I'll say, uh, is because it's just such a brute of a course. I mean, you know, that whole back nine, like Woody talked about, there's just bogeys lurking everywhere. Uh, and we saw it by pretty much every guy. The only guy that finished strong was John Rahm. And then Louis Oosthuizen was playing well on that back nine as well until uh, he hit it in the hazard on, uh, or the penalty area now, now that it's I don't call it that. Uh, it on, makes me mad even thinking about it. On 17. So I, I was just really impressed with John Rahm. And like uh, Colby said, uh, the golf gods are real. And it was sweet, sweet justice for John Rahm. But I, I mean, when we talk about this all the time, too. What is one thing that you always see that coincides with trophies? 
babies. For whatever reason, they have a baby and a trophy, and they just mash together. And so I thought it was really cool. We It's going around, you know, um, what's what's Rom's wife's name? I forget. Uh, Kelly. Kelly, yeah. Kelly and Phil were sitting there together. You know, that was kind of a cool image while Rom was hitting unknowingly range balls for no reason, even though um, it, after Louie made that bogey, we really didn't think that there was a chance that he uh, would. I that, think it was just a nervous tick for Rom. I just think he needed to do something. Tell, tell me why Tell me why Phil looked like Chubbs Peterson back there just chilling with with Phil, uh, with uh, with Rom afterwards on the range, he was just sitting there drinking a coffee or whatever he's drinking. Uh, has his legs up, like you know, just kicking back, relaxing, watching John Rom like he's some guru. Here's my question: Phil finished like four hours before Rom got done. <laughs> what did he do? Did, did did he go to the bar? Did he have fun? Did he go back? Because he 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 doesn't live in San Diego anymore, does he? They moved from no, California. No, they live in. I think he might actually. He actually he might still. He live might in have California. a home there, but I know they don't live there because he got tired of paying all the prop or all the stupid taxes. Yeah, he probably lived there. I know he moved because week. of that. I, yeah, I don't know where they're. I don't so, know where their primary. No, I think he is. does because after he won the PGA, remember that he started talking about uh, how he's gonna spend some time at home and a lot of time at Tory. Well, nevertheless, nevertheless, way, sorry, I, I'm, that was a I'm, I'm curious as to what Phil did for four hours while Rom was was waiting to play. <laughs> that, that was my curious. But also, guys, I mean, we, we, we're talking about the leaderboard, right? So whenever there was, let's just say whatever time it was, right in the middle of the front nine towards the end of the front nine, there was like 10 to 15 people that could win this golf tournament, all big names, essentially. And then... You know, we don't really necessarily know at the time how hard the back nine's going to play. And that thing just played unbelievably difficult. We just saw everyone just fold like an Alabama lawn chair. I mean, they just had <laughs> no chance at it. I mean, Bryson Shambo had the solo lead of this tournament at, at the, on the back nine. Yep. And he ended up finishing outside the top hey, 25. If that Bryson DeChambeau chip goes in the hole. Uh, it, the one that he shanked? No, 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 the one, <laughs> no, the one, not that Sorry, one, or the, bunker shot, or the bunker shot that he hit a home run on. By, you by know. the way, we saw three shanks yesterday from three of the top ten players in the world. Morikawa had a shank, Rory had a shank, and Bryson had a shank. Rory's doesn't really count. That was impossible. Yeah, Rory's but, was impossible, but it was still a shank. But, so, but uh, what hole was that? The part three, uh, where Bryson number eight, number, number eight. eight. Yeah. yeah, if he makes nice there. No, well, no, no, no. The part three where. Uh, where he hit it right of the green. Oh, 11. 11. Yeah, 11. Yeah. yeah. And so, basically, if that chip goes in the hole, he gets to six under. And he finishes the day at three over. At one point, the 73rd hole Twitter account tweeted out, I don't know if anyone's catching Bryce. Yeah, who, 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 was the idiot? who was the idiot to press send on that tweet? We've don't press send. Herm Edwards, don't press send. We'll just leave it a mystery. It, it, was, it was me. I mean, if, if you could have found some odds on Bryce and finished outside of the top 25 when he had the slow lead on the back nine, you'd be a rich man today. Because let's go back and look on it. Let's just look at round four analytically for our man Bryce. Because like, we, we like to look at the numbers because he did have the shanks and around the greens. Our man lost 4.08 around the green. He lost .92 on the green. He actually gained 1.79 approach, lost .62 T to green. So I think that the shanks and the inability to get up and down is what cost Bryson just off yep. of analytics and the eye test. I got to give a, a RIP to my buddy Jordan Boyer. Uh, he, he was texting me cursing Bryson yesterday because he had him in his DraftKings. And Jordan, uh, enter, Bryson entering the back nine, uh, had Jordan Boyer in uh, first place of his 100 
hundred-man DraftKings pool. Oh and, no! Uh, and Bryson choked that off for Jordan Boyer. So well, R.I.P. F's in the chat. Yikes! Yeah, and well, you're losing. <laughs> you're losing all the points that you have for winning, and then you're losing a lot of points for bogeys and doubles and quads. Well, you no, know, well, else. you get points for first. You also get points for second, third, fourth. Hell, you can get points for fifth. And <laughs> Bryson got none of those points. They don't give you points for twenty-sixth. By the way, T twenty-six. I will say Bryson's foot slip on thirteen T was one of the nastier foot slips I've seen in a minute. I mean, the dude goes at it so hard. I mean, seriously, guys, he is fortunate as bad as his foot slipped that he didn't top it into the hazard right in front of him. If that would if that would have been Kepka, he would have been on the ground. He could. Oh yeah, with the right knee. Yeah, with the knee. Yeah. yeah, but I'm saying he's just lucky that he made contact and the ball ended up somewhere on the planet. And then, like an idiot, he laid it up to 190 in the deepest rough on the course with no <laughs> angle. Then he hits it in the bunker and it just totally gets out of hand. But let's let's <laughs> that, go. Wait, you can't you can't finish that without saying he hit it in almost into a beer box. Yeah, oh, I, I want to know like <laughs> the, the Stella Artois. <laughs> okay, is because we were up at Southern Hills. I mean, it wasn't that. I mean, how are the people? Are they just walking across the beach with this? 12 12 pack of yeah, beer to bring it in. How much would have at Southern Hills a beer was like nine dollars? How much is a box of beer at the U.S. Open? Also, can we just say any other player would have hit it into a box of Coors Light, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra, <laughs> maybe a Keystone, maybe a Natty. Bryson hits it into a box of Stella Artois. <laughs> I mean, is that not the most Bryson thing ever? And then, he finds and the then on, brand the, of beer. on the same hole, we had, oh, whatever Joker's name is. He goes down and takes a 7-iron and wants to get some warm-up on <laughs> the, the way, 13th great hole. action on that guy. He has, it's a pretty good swing, yeah. especially because I'm assuming he was hammered. He probably drank that entire box of Stella Artois. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Now, I mean, is it worth it to spend the night in jail to hit balls off the Torrey Pines 13th fairway during the U.S. Open. Yes. Probably uh, like so. I, like, I tweet, like I tweeted out, it was a new meaning to the USGA four ball. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he, did, he did hit two into the ocean. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just fantastic. I mean, the fact of the guy hit the, hit how many ever balls and bones is like, yeah, this gentleman just right beside me just decided to drop down and hit, hit some seven arms down in the middle of the fairway, and now security's handling him, and he's uh, he's laying on his ground in the middle of 13 fairway. He said he had and a just glove, said it, and, a club, and two balls. Also, how do you get in? How do you get in there with clubs and balls? I was say, can you walk in with a golf club? I don't know. The, the, I don't where, know. where else would he have gotten a golf club? The security at at this USGA at Tory or the US Open at Tory Pines must not have been very good. We can walk in with cases of beer. We can walk in with golf clubs, golf balls. How, how about this? Maybe he paraglided onto the golf course. Oh, that's a good with idea. With a golf club, <laughs> and then had had himself a race session what, right there on number thirteen. What would be the rule if you hit a paraglider? Probably the probably the same as hitting what's supposed to be happening when you hit a power line or is a bird. It it's supposed if, to be. If you hit a power the same line as bird, if you get stuck in a tree. <laughs> what, if, well, if you hit a bird, do you replay the shot? Yes, yes, yes. I think yeah, so. I so it'd probably so. be the same way if you hit a paraglider. Yeah, probably. maybe maybe you get an extra point. Yeah, for bonus, bonus stroke. Snap hook it though, and it's going straight into the ocean. How about how about Mac Hughes getting stuck in the tree? I mean, that was unreal. Off of the cart path bounce? To be fair, it was a horrible shot, but oh, it, was still, it, was. it was still unreal bad luck. Yeah, it was 80 yards offline? <laughs> it was like it was like 40 yards left on yeah, iron. How about this? If the tree wouldn't have been there, then it would have been 80 yards offline because it would have kept going. It, it hit the tree it hit on the, the cart path. It hit the tree on the fly, yeah. came down to the cart path, went back up into the tree. Yeah. So had the tree not been there with the way that it was hooking, it probably would have landed 
on the cart path and hopped another 40, 50, 60 yards forward. A <laughs> um, bunch of guys faded yesterday on the back nine. It was just unbelievable to watch everybody just kind of collapse in on themselves. Uh, Rory, we talked about it with the bunker uh, on number 12 after he had three-putted number 11. Colin Morikawa on 13. I mean, his shank was the worst of the shanks because his ball was just in the fairway. I mean, he's just trying to flip a wedge in on 13 from the fairway. Mm-hmm. Stone cold shanks it over long right of the green. It was... It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen on that back nine watching. Like you said, you read that leaderboard off. It's eight to ten of the absolute best players in the world, and all but one of them had some moment on the back nine where they folded. Yeah, at one point I thought that Harris English might have been sitting kind of pretty at three under. I did too. And so, I mean, that was kind of crazy. And then we had uh, Guido Miliozzi uh, ended up tying for fourth. He was the one that Richard Bland beat uh, in the, was it the British Masters, right? I think it was one of those, yeah, and who would have thought, and after we did our our recap show uh, Friday night, Paul Casey, uh, that uh, Richard Bland finishing at eight over par and uh, Guido, because Guido played uh, Richard Bland in the playoff, like yeah. you just mentioned, beat him by ten shots, yeah. and they and they played together on Sunday. Yeah, I believe so, or they were at least yes. within. No, a no, group. no, they were in the same group. Yeah. So I mean, I remember uh, Bland missed like a, a three footer for par or something, which really wasn't there that was big. Some a guys deal. that shot big numbers on that back nine yesterday. Did uh, anybody go higher than Bryson? On Ian the back? Poulter, look up Ian Poulter's scorecard real quick. I know that he was up there like. Maybe going to make a run on the back, and then I think he shot like a 43 Whoa, or something. Whoa, he shot 77 on the day yesterday. The back nine was 42. He did not catch Bryson. Bryson was 44 yep. on the back. By the way, did y'all see what Bryson said about his back nine? I'm sure he made some excuses. <laughs> Let me hear it. Boy, you are spot on. Uh, Bryson did not get off the rails on the back nine. Just some bad breaks. I slipped twice on 13. I mean, that was really weird. I don't know what happened, but that's the game. Unfortunately, had bad break after bad break happen. I played two little shots next to the green. Both weird lies, both trying to get cute with them, and messed up on 13. Nobody understands, at least if you play professional golf, major championship golf, a lot of it is luck. I can't tell you how many times I hit shots this week into bad lies and good lies, and they played out 50-50 this week. I caught the bad lies in the back nine today, and then he was asked if he got off the rails, and he said, I didn't get off the rails at all. It's golf. People will say I did this or did that, and it's just golf. I've had plenty of times where I hit it way worse than today, and I won. It's just one of those things where I didn't have the right breaks happen at the right time. Look, slipping is, it's unfortunate, but like, didn't get off the rails solo leader at the US Open with 8 holes left and he and he shoots 44 on the back nine i mean yeah. we were off the rails boys he finished 26th in the tournament and he was solo leading Finished 26th, and he's, oh, you don't catch the brakes. You know why? Because you're intentionally missing every fairway 50 yards right because you don't want to hit it in the shit. So you're hitting it in some rough. That's tall rough. Oh, whoop de doo the U.S. Open. You want to hit it over on areas where people are walking and trampling it down. Well, sorry that strategy didn't work, bud. You had to hit out of some rough. That's what happens when you miss the fairway, you idiot. Good God. I mean, just come up with excuse. Cry, baby, cry, baby. Brakes didn't go my way. Yeah, you shot six over on the day when you had the solo lead. So cry me a river and go home. What what bad break did he get on 17? Seventeen. Hey, they do. When he made the eight. They, they only they, showed they, one shot that he hit. On he hit it in, straight into the hazard. How is that a bad break? They they do say that whenever you shank it, you are closest to the center of the club head. So I guess maybe that's what he's saying is that he was so close to hitting that chip <laughs> solid that he shanked it and it cost him big. Time. Bryce, this is just typical Bryce, and this is why no one likes him. And if you do, then you got something wrong. So I I I, I was just glad that you know 
the good guys, Brooks Kepka beat Bryson. No, this no, week. and, and let, let's talk about Brooks a little bit. I mean, cl- I mean, just absolute clutch bogey on <laughs> on eighteen by my man Brooks. I mean, forty one people in our big one and done pool had him. I was not one of them. Thank you, Brooks, for missing that because T <laughs> three between T four, big difference in money. So thank you very much. But I also want to talk about something, guys, because we saw it in the final group. Where Louie laid up, when he needed to make eagle, he laid up to 69 yards, nice, which is when I got a little scared saying, oh, well, if there's anyone who's going to hole out <laughs> a, a, a shot to tie my man Rom, it's from 69 yards. And that's yeah. got to be the number they talked about, right? Him and his caddy. <laughs> Let's leave ourselves 69 yards in so we can try to hole it. You, you, you would have to believe if they were if they were playing the course correctly, you know, course management. <laughs> and then, but you have someone like Kepka who they mentioned, Says he hits it in the rough. Then he tries to be tries to get up by the green. Well, where does he put himself? On the other side of the bunker, uh, having hit over. Then he flubs it into the bunker. Then he hits it up and misses the five footer. And my question is, is that did Brooks maybe try to force it a little too much there with with trying to make eagle? I know hindsight twenty twenty, knowing that he needed to. Um, he thought at the time he needed to make eagle to probably get to five under. I mean, if he could have made a birdie and posted at four. Instead of having Harris down there at three as the leader, Brooks I, I think that Brooks would, doesn't care about finishing third or fourth but, or any of that. But but listen to this: if Brooks is in at four under, Roms has to birdie fifth, has to birdie seventeen and eighteen already. I'm just saying the fact of knowing that a, a great golfer yeah. in at four under instead of Harry in at three under, what could have made a difference on if Rom made those putts or if he didn't? I mean, I, I, I will say this: I, they, I I don't know if they showed. If they did, I missed it. Did they show Kepka's second shot on eighteen? I didn't see I it. I didn't see it. I don't I, think they, they, said did. He, they said he was in the rough and he tried to go for the green. And well, so and, I mean, damn, it'd be nice to have seen that. What was wrong with the coverage this week? We missed so many shots. How about the coverage? In, in all fairness, like we did mention, there was eight of the top ten players within a shot. So I mean it's it's kind of hard the, to condense every single one of them, but yeah. that is a pretty important one but, to know. I mean, he's on eighteen and I mean we know you, you can't miss right on eighteen. Yeah. You can't miss right on eighteen. Uh if you're in the bunker, you've got a chance if you're on the upslope. If you're where Rom's at You've got to go out sideways to 20 feet and make the putt, which he did. But, I mean, Kepka missed right of the bunker, and right of that bunker is so beyond dead, it's not even funny. And we didn't even see the shot to see how yeah. he got there. Yeah, we the big winners this week were the uh, – NBC and USGA sales team because they were commercial Aaron, Aaron after Wilson commercial. Cadillac was the big winner this week. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That commercial played like 400 times. <laughs> uh, qu- quick quick question about commercials. When you see a commercial overplay, does that make you want to go to that place more or to not go to that place because you've seen it so much? Uh, I mean, it doesn't make me not want to go, but I... I don't know. It's I, it's I more know. on NBC to me. I mean, it makes me really appreciate the Masters coverage on Sundays because yeah. you know it, it's just a, a, on a completely different level. You know, and, and by the way, I just want to give a big shout out while we're talking about sponsors to Madison Custom Homes because they do it right. Boys, there's other companies that don't, okay? So basically, what happened this weekend was I wake up Saturday morning uh, of U.S. Open weekend, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to watch a little coverage in the morning, you know, uh, and, and I, I get on my computer, my Wi-Fi is not working. So I get on my phone, my Wi-Fi is not working. Okay, Uh, and then I I was like, all right, well, I need to just reset my Wi-Fi. It's fine. And so I go reset. It doesn't work. I call Cox. They say everything's fine on our end. I go, well, no, it's not. 
Okay, so then uh, I hear this commotion going on outside, and there's a house being built uh, to my west uh, by a company that should not be named. But if the problem doesn't get fixed, I'll come on tomorrow and tell tell you guys their name. Uh, so <laughs> basically, I walk outside. I go, "Hey guys, like, is there any reason uh, that my uh, internet might not be on?" And uh, and they go, oh, "This guy that." basically looks like a rocket scientist that just graduated third grade okay goes <laughs> you know he goes hey man you know sorry one of us clipped the cox line with the tractor this morning and so my cox line got completely clipped uh by a bobcat tractor snip uh, snap snip snap yeah, snip snap this weekend so uh i call the builder no answer still haven't had an answer and it is uh 9 52 on monday morning so i would love to hear uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna say their name, but I'd love to hear from Neil McGee. Okay, so basically, are you are you pretty happy about it, Sam? You sound pretty happy about it. Basically, I had to call Cox myself, uh, and then they go, "Well, we can get out there by next Thursday." Okay, next Thursday, I go. They, they should have been out here yesterday. Okay, <laughs> to fix it. Okay, so then they're like, "Well, wait, wait, wait a second. We we got a we got a little uh we we got a little time on Monday that we can fit you in." I go, "Great, okay." And so, uh, I guess. I might have some internet uh, on today, I guess. So basically, basically my point is um, a lot of people are trying to cut the cord, uh, and I was too with this uh, YouTube TV. Little did I know that my next-door neighbor building a house was actually going to cut the cord on me on U.S. Open weekend. So did you get to watch Trey Young last night? Game seven? No, I didn't get to watch Trey Young last oh, night. Absolutely no, no. not. I oh. had to watch Saturday U.S. Open at my parents' house, uh, and then I watched Sunday U.S. Open at my lovely in-laws' house. So, uh, you know, it's it was just a bad situation all around for my uh, YouTube TV. <laughs> I so. tell you what, that's the age we live in where, you know, we cable and all this direct, you know, satellite, all that. It's, it's all that because we got so much access to the Internet. But when you only have one source of it coming in, it's very easy to cut it off. And, and you know, unfortunately, Sam, you got the bad end of that deal because that's just total shaft in there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that is. But at the end of the day, it is the definition of a first world problem. And uh, so but at the same time, it's like, why? You know, why do we have to deal with such BS? It couldn't, so. have, it couldn't have happened on Saturday of Congaree. Well, it had I, to happen at the U.S. Open. Well, you don't want to miss out on Garrick Higgo getting his first tour win. <laughs> Absolutely. We had to see that. But, hey, at least it didn't happen when we were doing one of our shows, Sam. That would have been a total nightmare. Oh, I know. Oh, that, great point. That is a good point. Great point. Yeah. By the way, Taylor, I, I wasn't here last week. Great Garrick Higgo pick. Your Garrick Higgo pick, way more <laughs> impressive than your John Rom pick, which we both had John Rom this and, week. And Woody had Rom as well. Let's throw him out there. Te- Sam, Sam, you're the outlier here. Technically, we I both had, had John Rom. We both had John Rom this week, but... Y'all did such a great job last week with the audio of me that I just thought we had to replay it. So we have to replay. So this is on the U.S. Open preview show last week. I'm in Colorado. I think I was, I don't know what we were doing that day, but I'm in Colorado, so I'm not on the show. And then I get done, and it's like, hey, you need to listen to today's show. You made a surprise appearance. And I just know that it's just going to be pure, pure shenanigans. And it was. So here's the uh, here's basically my U.S. Open preview from last week, as seen by Taylor and Sam. And now, T-Dub, we have a special guest, uh, Colby Powell, actually joining the show, even though he is not in studio. He is on vacation, but he decided to call in today. Uh, Colby, on a scale of 1 to 1,000, how are you feeling today? I'll say uh, 4... 
Uh, I'm between 420 and 469. 420 is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Two very great numbers there, Colby. Uh, all 420. Right. Well, it's great to know that you're feeling that well, Colby, you know, on your vacation. But I, I heard you got some really great uh, DraftKings insight for us this week. Yeah, for me, you know, my first pick, I like to support my friends. That's what I like to do. I support my friends. So, how could I pass up the value at 7500 of my close personal friend, Matt Wallace? Matt Wallace, really? Uh, that's an interesting pick out of all the guys in the U.S. Open that you could, uh, that you could go with first. But, you know, uh, just keep rattling through them, Colby. So, I've got Chris Kirk. I'd love to go out and watch John Daly. Wait, John Daly, really? He's not even playing in this tournament, Colby. Oh, but, I, I didn't make a pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's all right, Colby. We got we got your back. Uh, just just pick someone else from from this strong field. I think I'm on the fade with Xander Shoffle. But Colby Shoffle is one of the favorites this week, and you're major fading him. What what's behind this? And let me give you the stat to back it up. So let me go find my stat here. I had it earlier and I lost it. Uh, of course I did. While you're looking that stat up, Colby, did, did you have any best bets this week? Sebastian Munoz, I've got at 150 to 1. I put 10 on Sebastian Munoz. Taking a flyer, maybe he gets hot, makes a lot of birdies. Uh, by the way, I don't even have to give any information on my next player because it's all been given. And then we're going to find <laughs> our best friend, Doug, and then we're going to give him our best friend, Doug. All right, Colby. So you got so far. You have Matt Wallace, Chris Kirk, John Daly, uh, who isn't playing in the tournament, but you're banking on him anyways. You got Sebastian Munoz. You got Doug Gim, and then Colby. Give me your winner of the U.S. Open this year at Torrey Pines. Let's just go ahead and start in California. Uh, congratulations to Patrick Reed on your trophy. Wait, Patrick Reed? Really? Colby, I can't believe you're going with Patrick Reed. Don't don't put your money on him. You talked me out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I, I, I didn't think you were actually going to go with Patrick Reed. So give us one more. Who is your champion this week? Matt Jones. Who? Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Good Lord, Colby. I mean, this lineup you got is one for the ages, my friend. I mean, this thing is is of legend, especially with the fact of, you know, you got, uh, I believe, three people that aren't even in the field this week. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Colby, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy vacation. Uh, I mean, I, I really just appreciate your friendship, and, and, and I, I appreciate uh, you donating to the DraftKings pot this week. We putting Canes on it again this year? Of course. Yeah, why not? Hashtag why not? Hashtag don't hate on the Brody. Um, Hashtag right, so, Owen eight wizards or whatever they are. Uh, something like that. Yeah, you know, sometimes life gives you lemons. And uh, at that point, you've, you've got to score more points than your opponent. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's just absolutely brilliant, fellas. Absolutely brilliant. I got to say, though, y'all did me dirty with the Patrick Reed pick. You did me so dirty with the Patrick Reed pick. But then Sam talked me out of it. Yeah, I did. I, <laughs> easily. I, so I'm just, easily. I'm just glad we put Canes on it. I did, But I got to know, Colby, <laughs> what was the Xander Shoffley stat that you couldn't find. I lost it. I don't know what it was. I lost the stat. For people who can't see, Colby almost just fell out of his chair. I did 100%. I just lost my balance. I bet the look on my face was priceless. (laughs) You you know that look when when your chair starts to go and your eyes get real big? Oh, yeah, I'm good. Mini heart attack. (laughs) You would have hit that stool sitting right beside you. You would have got a concussion. Definitely. We'd have had to uh, replay that on the air for sure. Hey, when life gives you lemons, you know. Guys score more ports than your opponent. And then Sam said the best. Just an unnecessary shot at Russell Westbrook. But <laughs> I just want to know where I find the time to say all this stupid stuff. 
It's, turned, it's all over the place. Hey, your Sebastian the Munoz pick was looking nice. Oh, no. Sebastian Munoz was bogey free for like his first however much. And then like he 20 missed the cut. Holes. <laughs> Did he really miss yeah, the cut? Yeah, shot plus six. six okay. God, so, come on, Sebastian. Come on. Hey, hey, you, How did John Daly do this week? <laughs> hey, he, pro- he probably did really well at the casino. If I had, he to probably guess. did. Yeah, actually, and he probably did. I would love hey, to go watch John Daly. Your best finish this week, Colby. Matt Jones, T sixty five. Not I'll, too bad. I'll say this: that uh, lineup isn't that different from the lineup that I submitted originally. We're gonna take a break. Come back on the other side. Continue to wrap up the U.S. Open. This is the seventy third hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Monday. This is the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Do yourself a big favor right now. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for you. Go to GolfOklahoma.org and subscribe right now to make sure you're getting all of the best info info from golf around the state of Oklahoma. GolfOklahoma.org. I'm Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with me. Follow us on Twitter at the 73rd hole. Instagram, 73rd hole. If you were following both of those, you were eligible to win. Sam, we're giving away five 73rd hole Yeti Cubs. And have you already announced what the surprise gift is? I have not announced what the surprise Do we want to save that is. for the end of the show? We might as well save it for the end of the show when we announce the winners. Okay, so end of the show, we're going to announce the six winners. So if you think you might be up for it, make sure you listen all the way till the end, because right before we get out of here, we'll announce the six winners, including the surprise gift yep. from Tory Pines. And this thing is nice. It's pretty sweet. It yep. is pretty sweet. Let's put it, so. this, let's put it this way. I almost entered my name for the drawing so I could win it. We, so. we decided after a lot of deliberation, we decided conflict of interest. We were leaning toward <laughs> just going ahead and doing it. We decided conflict of interest. Uh, there was no conflict of interest in John Rahm's commitment to his putts on 17 and 18. And I just want to know, I mean, that putt on 18 that he made, um, I mean, obviously Tiger's putt in 2008 is always going to be the most iconic putt yeah. on the 18th green at Torrey, but that's got to sit number two. And Rom, honestly, John Rom might have number two and, and three. number three yeah. with his first PGA Tour win. It was, I mean, when that putt went in, I jumped so high off the couch. I was at a buddy's house. I jumped so high off the couch. We high-fived. It was full-on electricity excitement. I, it was unbelievable that he made the, the putts on 17 and 18. They were both unreal. Oh, I mean, and I was I was most excited on both of them. I mean, obviously for one and done, but I mean, even the one on 17, 
17, I thought was was even because it seemed like he, it was a little longer. He played more break, and it was kind of cool because of the camera angle. You couldn't really see the ball because his massive head was in the way. <laughs> and so then once it was breaking in and it went in at about nine o'clock, you just were jumping for joy, and or at least for us Rom fans. And you know one thing because you brought up Tiger. Um, earlier, Colby. One thing, watching everyone hit their approach shots in there yesterday, that front right pin, one thing that gets so underappreciated is the third shot that Tiger hit in 2008. Out of the right side rough to be able to hit it to 12 feet because when a pe- people couldn't, yeah. even, could, couldn't hit it that close from the fairway. Yes, or, or from the bunker. <laughs> no, Nobody could get it that close at all. I mean, the closest that we probably saw, honestly, was Louie at the end of the day. He laid it up to 69 yep. yards and threw it in there 10, 10, 12 feet behind the hole and made it, but Rom's putt on 18 was just uh, first off, and he set it up by being smart out of the bunker. If he tries to go right at the pin out of the bunker, there is so much that could go wrong. He played it safe. He's like, you know what? I can make that putt. And even if I don't, Louis still has to beat me. I'm not going to beat yeah. myself and hand this championship away. That's what away. he was doing was just not beating himself. Yes. You know? And so uh, I, I want to ask you guys, do you think the two uh, best fist pumps of all time are on 18 green at Torrey Pines? Oh, I think fist, uh, fist pumps. I will Ooh, say, boy. Rom had one of the best non-Tiger fist pumps. Yeah, we've seen in a long probably time. the best ever. I mean, Tiger's the only one that really ever perfected the, the fist pump. The best part about Rom's was that it had the fist pump at seventeen to lead up to it, and then it was just exuberation. Real, real quick, we'll come right back to Rom fist pumping. Is the worst fist pumper in the history of golf Guido Migliozzi? <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, dude, he he was making long putts and chipping in, and as he walked to the hole from like fifty feet away, it was just like a up down, up down, up down, and he was doing it like six times. Every time he made it. a putt, Kobe's like. Stabbing a stake into the ground. That's yes. what it looks like. It literally looks like you're taking Excalibur. It looks like what Siwoo Kim did with his putter at Augusta, where you just take it up, down, up, down. And he was doing it like six times every time he made a putt. Uh, by the way, no, Guido Miliozzi. By, by the way, he's in the Masters next year. <laughs> yeah, he is. Top, because of this top finish. four getting the Masters next year. Uh, Rom's fist pump on 18. Here's my question, Colby. Does Padraig Harrington's failed um, high five at, at Oakland uh, Hills, does that ooh, count as yikes. a bad fist pump? He's... I don't know. Patrick was a bad fist pumper anyway, but I don't think that we can count the failed high five as a fist pump. I don't think we can do it. But I think the top, honestly, probably the top 10 fist pumps in the history of golf are all from Tiger, and yeah. then Rom gets slotted in right there at 11. Does the putter raise for Jack Nicholas count as a fist pump? <sighs> oh, wait, we're forgetting no. a great fist pump. Wayne Stewart. Oh, Payne Stewart oh, had a yeah, great fist yeah, pump. Yeah, what are we doing? And yeah, may he rest in peace, yeah, Payne Stewart. Also, too, he, I know that we're all USA fans, but... Rory, after he made that putt on number eight before Reed made it on top of him, I mean, that was pretty oh, exuberant. Yeah. You know, that was yeah. pretty intense. I forgot yeah. Ryder Cup. Even, even yeah. though it got kind of shut out, you know, but at the same time, one of my favorite fist pumps is, is Tiger at, at the USAM at, at Pumpkin Ridge. Oh, that was nice. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that was the orange of, and white shirt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just, I mean, it was ma- the biggest fist pump he's was ever seen. 90, hat. Was that 96 when he came back on Steve Scott? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Well, he came back was, in 94, too. So. Yeah. Um, but that was at TPC Sawgrass. 96 was a bigger comeback, wasn't it? He was 5 down through 18 in 96. Which one was yeah. he playing uh, Hank Keeney? Oh, um, th- uh, that was 94. And he wasn't playing Hank. He was playing... Um, no, that might have been 96. He was playing a Keeney, but it wasn't up, Hank. But... It wasn't Hank. Okay. Was, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Tiger's got some great ones. I like Tiger's fist pump at the 05 Masters, too, where he walks across the green. And that's just kind of the iconic yeah. silhouette yeah. fist pump logo. So that one was pretty good. But... Rom, Rom nailed the fist pump on 18 big time. He was just pumped. Oh, I dude, mean, he that was, was pure so adrenaline. Fire. And then I thought it was hilarious. So he goes off the back of the green. He gets his two-month-old son and puts his son in his arms, which on Father's Day, John
Don Rom walking around carrying the That's baby. Great. It was just it just an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable scene. Back to the baby in just a second. Give us an update, t- Taylor. Uh, Tiger beat Trip Keeney in, in 94. What did I, at, did I say Hank Keeney? Yeah, yeah. But, but you're not far off because Hank Keeney won the 1998 yeah, okay. USM at, at Oak Hill. We're showing okay. how young we are right now. I was born in 95. We are, yeah. You're younger than <laughs> we are. This shows I'm how big of Tiger fans that we are that we even remember even half of this stuff. Yeah, you well, know. we don't remember it, but we've just done no. the research. Yeah. I, I oh, yeah, I don't remember it at I don't all. Remember watching, I don't remember watching the 94 USM. No. The first time I remember watching Tiger was versus Sergio Medina. Um, yeah, that's probably close to my earliest memories. Probably 97 Masters. Vaguely. I don't remember that Vaguely. But, I mean, we were so <laughs> I, young. Yeah, I, must say, I don't say. remember the exact tournament. I just remember watching him play and saying, I want to be like him. I don't care what he is yeah. or how he does. Yeah, I, just, I'm, I'm I, kind of I, I want to be like Tiger. Back so. to the baby. Back to the baby. Oh, yeah. So, John Rump. He goes, okay, <laughs> John Rump had a kid. He, he gets the baby. Perspective intensifies, as Kyle Porter likes to say on Twitter. So funny. Anytime John Rump or Rory do anything, he's like, perspective intensifies. Because you get this new perspective as a father. So, it's Father's Day. He's carrying the baby around. He's walking to the scoring tent to sign his card. But He's got to give everybody high fives and like bro hugs and all that stuff on the way, but he's still holding the baby. And there was just like this one little moment where he goes out to reach and he kind of leans and the baby's head kind of starts to topple yep. toward the middle of his body. And John Rom's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And he kind of like pops the baby up. It's like, John Rom, support the baby's head. Rule number one. That would have been an all time fumble. Head. Well, maybe it's rule number four. It's added in there. Rule are, number four support the baby's head. Yeah. Yeah. We already got three rules established. That's a, that's a cute baby, by the way. It is. Well, that, he's that got baby's going to be on tour. He's got good genes. The baby's going to be on tour one yep. day, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really cool scene on Father's Day. There was another new father. Tried to get it done yesterday. Boy, at the turn, Rory really looked like he had a chance. Really looked like he was in control of his golf game. And we just knew. You had to know at some point on the back nine, Rory was going to have a four or five footer for a par, and he was going to miss it. And it happened on number 11. And I think that the three putt on number 11 is what led to the double on 12. It, it just kind of snowballed on yeah. him. Let, let me ask you guys, because he, he went from bunker to bunker, I believe. So did he get a bad well, no. break on, on are, are you talking about on 12? He, on go, 12. he stayed in the same bunker because he well, was on no, the No, I'm talking about on the second shot, the third shot. Uh, second shot to third shot as well. I can't remember if he was in the bunker. I believe it was. Yeah, I think it was left fairway bunker to right greenside bunker. But he he like plugged like on the right side of the. It was like basically it was one right of the worst, in the worst spot you could possibly. It was one plug. of the worst breaks yeah. I've ever seen. He, he plugged ball going he, to bunker. He plugged in the face of the bunker, but it was the face opposite the upslope. He plugged yeah, was, in the face of the, the downslope. Like right down and then he shanked it, but it actually didn't stay in the bunker. It ended up in the deep rough because yeah. you remember he had the goofy little stance where he was trying to figure out how to stand. And he had a good chip to six feet, but again, missed the five, four or five footer on 11, missed the six footer on 12. And it's just at, at some point it was going to catch up with him because his putting stats were pretty poor all week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, uh, Rory lost over two shots on the field putting uh, yeah. and lost shots around the greens and gained shots uh, every other category. You know, on the event, uh, let me pull this sure, up. Sure, gain putting is the only statistic yeah. he lost strokes and he lost over the week. a half a shot on the field yeah uh so that's where rory mcelroy lost the tournament uh you were talking about babies that was a cool scene of him uh standing on the balcony with his son rory or, or is it 
daughter. Rory, Rory has a daughter. Okay. Rory has a daughter. Ron daughter. has the son. Yeah. Yep. And so he was standing on the balcony watching guys finish out on 18. That was really cool. On Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. Friday yeah. or Saturday, whenever yeah, it was. Whenever. That was really cool. How about Rory said he had the same chicken sandwich every night, too? Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask y'all about that. Yeah. Rotisserie what, chicken. What, or are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what after you eat something for so many days in a row? If like, it ain't broke, don't fix it. I can keep eating the same thing over and same. over again. My, well, yeah, well, what if they don't have a Canes by your location, Colin? Because you can't. You then can't, we got to call an audible. You yeah. go to. Slim Chickens, which you, you, is better yeah. than Cane's. I, so I really like Slim Chickens, but I did radio remotes there for a couple years, and just <laughs> so much Slim Chickens, I just, I couldn't, after a while, I needed a break. Do you have to start doing what Louie does, where he brings in the bed to each tournament? You got to start bringing in your food, your canes to every tournament? Well, I hope I don't do exactly what Louie does, because it's nice to hoist a trophy every now and again. And I love my man Louie, but, so I went on with uh, Jerry Ramsey and Kelly Gregg on the franchise on Friday, they asked me about Louie, and I was like, man, Louie's a lot of fun, and, you know, He's probably got another runner-up in his future, but no, he's not going to win the golf tournament because it's what Louis does. And I understand he wanted to put himself in good position on 17, but, I mean, you can just blast it into the bunkers on 17. Yeah. That's what Rom did. Rom made, made birdie from the bunker. The only thing you can't do on 17 is miss left. That's it. Yeah. And he did it. I mean, he, he's just – he he's invented so many ways to lose majors down the stretch over the last decade. On paper – uh, I said that after when we did our halfway through the U.S. Open show, I said that John Rahm and Louis Oosthuizen were the guys to beat. Turns Good out, call. well, turns out I was right. But I, on paper, I mean, it seems like Louis should. He plays so consistent the whole tournament in, in majors. By the way, he has the longest uh, major streak right now of made cuts in majors. Louis Oosthuizen does. So uh, even though he goes under the radar a little bit uh, with his play in some other tournaments, in majors he's big time. And, you know, Louis Oosthuizen, it just seems like he makes big mistakes at the worst time. Like we saw it in the Zurich. Yeah. He, he hit it right in the pond at the Zurich when uh, they were in the playoff. You know, it, it just seems like he doesn't quite have that clutch gene uh, that maybe like a, a Rom has or, uh, you know, a Kepka has. You know, when when we saw Louis win his only major, he ran away from the field at St. Andrews. So we've never really seen uh, Louis kind of get it done uh, under the extreme pressure of a back nine when you know he's tied or one back or one up uh we've never seen him get it done and uh you, you just another ne- second place you know louis never won in the u.s i i, I heard That's that yesterday and it's, it's unbelievable yeah. to think about here, here here's trivia for you guys louis has six runner-ups now can you guys list to me the tournaments that the majors that he finished runner-up at uh good All question he has the grand slam he, he finished runner-up to bubba in the playoff correct oh, oh, the, the specific majors yeah specific okay, majors okay. he yep. finished runner-up to bubba was that 12 2012 yep. 2012 2014 was the year bubba beat spieth yep so obviously this year and that, the US in Open. 2012 yep. that was the year that he made the double eagle yes yes yeah. it was awesome. Well, yep. awesome albatross uh the open championship in 20 was he second to 2015 yep 20, 2015. What, what year did Reed win the Masters? Was the same 2018, but he was not he running. Was, no, he what, what year uh, was Ricky was? I think. What year Ricky did, was? What yep. year did Louis make the ace at the Masters? Um, it, it was. I think it was around that time, but he didn't finish. He runner wasn't up. runner up. He didn't that year, finish though. runner up. So what year was it at the PGA? The I, I, PGA I, I, would have been at. Uh, wasn't it Beth Page? DJ was the runner up at Beth Page. Mm, Quail Hollow. Quail. He was the runner okay. up to JT at Quail Hollow. Yep. Made then, made about a forty footer on eighteen to. To secure that runner-up, that was when he secured the his runner-up slam. And, and then was post he, that video of him on. Was the, he also yeah. runner-up to Kepka at 
At one of his U.S. Opens? He was runner-up at... I actually asked this question, then I forgot all the answers. He was runner-up <laughs> at, the, at the 2015 U.S. Open. That He was tied, actually tied with DJ when DJ three-putted to lose to Spieth at Chambers oh, Bay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was in there. And then, let me pull up the other ones. Because um, we already mentioned that he finished second at yesterday. He finished second to Bubba. He finished second uh, this year at the PGA, t- a couple weeks ago oh, to God. Phil. We wow, forgot missing that. the layup. Second yeah. in both majors. And then, um, we already mentioned that one, and then, um, yep, yep, we've already listed off all six of them right there. Yeah, Yeah, and I mean, look, Rory, obviously, not Rory, Louis had a great career. Um, At some point, is it like... Is he the ultimate sneaky choker? I mean, do we give him, like, infinite credit for all these runner-up Because he doesn't necessarily choke in dramatic fashion, but it's just like he kind of makes mistakes coming down the stretch. yesterday, it was one golf shot that was three yards offline. I mean, yeah. seriously, that ball's three yards further right. Because think about it. It's not like he landed in there. He landed in play with a little draw, and it kicked down in there. And you could still find it. It was just unplayable. But, I mean, that is a little bit of a sneaky choke whenever you've got the world to the right. Yeah, I, I think I said this on Steelman show and not on the first part of the podcast, but Mackenzie Hughes had a great quote. Uh, you know, he was talking to Bones or whoever was following that group in the fairway and said, I wish I could give my tee shot to Louie right now. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you all about that because this is a serious question because – and, I mean, th- this is super serious when it comes down to leading tournaments because I brought this up before. In 2015, we actually literally just brought it up, ironically. Um, J- J- um, Dustin Johnson has 15 feet to win the U.S. Open. He's playing with Jason Day. That's the during the time where Jason Day was dealing with his vertigo stuff. Yeah. And Day has about a three-footer, and he looks at DJ and is like, what do you want me to do, bud? What Do you want me to finish? Do you want – you know, so it's like putting these thoughts in his head. And, you know, because I heard Bones say that same thing, and I'm like – we don't play the, the honor system isn't a rule anymore, and it never technically was a rule. It was just a custom. Tell Louie, hey, go hit your freaking shot. You want to hit it, hit it. No, he's talking about the yeah, shot. Yeah, I think, I think you're misinterpreting Mackenzie oh. Hughes' oh. statement. Mackenzie he, Hughes said he said that he wishes he could give Louie his tee shot. Oh, it's in like a scramble. Yes. Oh, oh, I thought you yeah. meant. I thought it was meant as in like so he could hit the 18th tee shot first. No. I thought to no, put, oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay, no. I get okay. what you're saying. Okay, no, that makes sense. Me so and, that makes and, a lot more sense. Me and okay, Sam I were looking saying, at each other as you were going through that. Like, what? What is he talking about? I don't know. <laughs> that makes that makes a lot more sense. That make, that, that that does clarify. Yeah, because okay, so, it, so it would have paid. How high? So now we're all on the same page. So <laughs> you want to do how high on Louie, we can. Let's do how high on Louie. We've got to do how high on Louie. Yeah. Look, at, look it up, Tyler. Let's give uh, let's give guesses. I'm going fifth. Fifth? See, I don't I don't think he got up that high. Because you gotta remember, Louie for a long time there, he didn't play a ton of golf. I mean, he was spent a lot of time goat ranching there for a while. And, and he played in Europe for a long time. I'm going to go with lucky number 13 for You're Louis. probably closer the more that I think about it. You want to change, Sam? Lucky number no, 13? No, it can't fifth. change. It can't change. I'm saying fifth. Well, good, because it was fourth. Really? Wow. January of 2013. No, I don't believe you. I'm going to have to verify. <laughs> I'm going to have to verify. After what tournament does it say? Um, well, I'm assuming it was probably after Kapalua if it was right around that yeah. time. Fourth um, in the world. But Good at, for him. at the end of twenty at the end of twenty twelve, he was number six in the world. So then after after the Volvo Golf he won Volvo Golf Champions in Europe, wherever in the world that was played at. Strength field one ninety eight. Won that tournament, which bumped him up to fourth in the world. So that was the oh. highest that he's ever been. 
So, what was strength of field for the U.S. Open? Did it ever come it out? It never came up. I know it had never come out whenever you, whenever y'all did the preview show last Does, week. Is it up now? But I didn't know. Surely it's up now. Uh, while well, you look for that, eight sixty-five. Eight sixty-five. Nice. Really solid. Really solid strength of field. Uh, best holes at Tory. I thought first off there was quite a bit of Tory slander that went around this week. Um, look, Tory is. I think it's because we had Kiowa. And then we had Tori and Kiowa. Every hole is like so uniquely designed. It has character. The way it's set in there. A lot of the holes at Tori do look the same, but I still think it's a great major championship setup. And I think it, it gives us a great major championship leaderboard and tournament. We saw it in 2008. The cream rose to the, to the top with the ball, best ball striker in the world in 2008. In 2021, you can make a pretty strong argument that John Rahm is the best ball striker in the world, the cream rose to the top with a great leaderboard. Some of the holes do look the same, yes, but I thought it was a great major championship. Well, people can't have it both ways. They want the U.S. Open to play as hard as possible, and the way to do that nowadays is to have just a brutally long, you know, tight golf course with long par fours. And, and you know, that's what Torrey Pines is. If it wasn't on the coastline, it would be Wingfoot. You know what I mean? Similar. And so basically what I'm saying is, you know, it's – it might be boring for some people to watch, and we're not going to get the two- and three-shot swings like we got at Kiowa. First of all, the wind blows at Kiowa, which makes a big difference in those swings and makes Kiowa a little tougher, even if you don't set it up as tough uh, as they did at Torrey Pines. You know, But I thought that they set up Torrey Pines great, and, and they got the leaderboard that they wanted. That's what the USGA wanted, and I thought that Mike Davis honestly did a phenomenal job of setting up this U.S. Open. It's just tough. Well, I mean, you look at a great golf course. What what makes a good golf course? We talked about it on Friday night. No one is able to go out and run away with this tournament. No one was going to go out there and shoot twelve under, thirteen under. Mm-hmm. There was there was there wasn't that out there. And so, you know, you, you there was flags that you couldn't attack. There was like you said, there's long par fours where if you miss the fairway, you're coming in with the long iron, and the chances you've hit in the green are so minuscule, it's unbelievable. And so, I, I think the golf course was set up phenomenally. And you know, one thing that that we mentioned. Um, on Friday was how some of these guys were struggling with with the uh, the POA, especially late in the afternoon. And I think that that kind of started the show towards the end because you notice some of the putts that that Rory missed on 11 and 12, and then Rom was able to make the big putts on 17 and 18. You know, obviously he was hitting a lot of great shots up to that point. Wasn't putting himself extremely close. Had a lot of 8 to 15 footers that he wasn't making, especially early on that back nine. But I think that the the course overall definitely sustained itself and has has held two straight. Uh, U.S. Opens to phenomenal, I mean, A-plus degree, in my opinion. So I think U.S. Open needs to keep going back to Torrey South as much as possible. I totally agree that it needs to be in the new rotation. Uh, we saw, you know, the rare time where uh, the guy that should win on paper actually does. You know, it, it seemed like Rom was supposed to win this tournament, and that, that just goes to show that, you know, the best player in the world at the time wins at Torrey, and it happened both U.S. Opens there. Uh, and then they... By, by the way, before we get away from that, he was 10-1. to 1. Do y'all remember what Tiger's odds were in 08? No. Probably John, two, John, probably, John, oh, go ahead. Ron was the favorite this week at 10-1. to 1. Yeah. So nobody was single digits. What were you going to say? I was gonna, I'd probably say 2-1. to 1. Tiger was 2-1 to 1 in 2008. Wow. And, every, and he hadn't played in two months. He had broken leg, torn ACL. He was 2-1. to 1. <laughs> That's he unbelievable. Was to, he'd won 17 of 28 starts going into that event. Tiger stats and are then, nuts. And then he won the U.S. Open. So that made it 18 of his last 29 starts that he had won. And one of those was a major on a broken leg, fully torn ACL. And then I wanted to talk about, you know, at Torrey Pines, 
they didn't even have the best weather to make it as hard as possible. You know, they were, you know, they had the marine layer, which made it a little softer on the first day, uh, especially on the first day because they had a little extra uh, marine layer, uh, you know, delay and everything before they started playing. And so I, I thought that, you know, they didn't move the uh, number 14 up. I thought that that's the only thing that I kind of wish they would have done at least one day uh, and made that a little drivable. But I understand why they didn't because they want the uh, the chasm to come in on the left. And so, you know, I off the tee, I, I, I had no problem with it. And we saw that, you know, it might have played a little easier on the first day, but that back nine on Sunday, it, it looked like the course was covered in oil. I tweeted this out because there, everyone was leaking. Yeah, and I mean that. Yeah, that's the definition of it. And you know that we saw it that there was multiple ways to play the golf course because Bryson, who's making excuses because he's aiming, he's literally aiming fifty yards right of fairways because there's ravines left. Which I mean, we play a golf uh, golf tournament Washtenaw Valley down in in Chickasha, uh, hole number two and eleven. I do the same thing where there's a road to the left and there's literally miles right, but there's trees over there. But yeah. there's a kind of an alley that you can hit it in. Well, I'm hit it over there every time. You yeah. know what I'm not gonna do when I get over there and I'm you know, I've been stymied behind trees numerous times. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to complain and say that I got screwed, you know, <laughs> or that I, I was, or I, I didn't come off the rails, or if I make eight bogeys after that, yeah. or whatever. You Shot know, I'm 44, but yeah, didn't come off the rails. Yeah, it's like you're purposely not aiming for fairways, and you expect to have good lies. Like, yeah. what are you thinking? But yeah, at the same time, that goes to show with Tori that there's multiple ways to play the golf course. So I thought that was interesting, but it didn't matter which way you played it. You weren't going to go out there and master it. Um, Colby, I want to get your thoughts real quick on Matt Wolf. Uh, yeah, we I'm, haven't, I was just fixing to go to Matt Wolf. We, we haven't talked about him uh, with you yet. We talked a lot about him uh, on the halfway uh, through the U.S. Open show. So, Colby, what were your thoughts on Matt Wolf and maybe the situation and everything? And you have to be happy for him, especially as a big of an OSU fan as you are. Yeah, the way he handled everything this week was phenomenal. He shot 73-74 on the weekend. He ends up T-15 at plus one. Really good finish at Torrey Pines after not playing competitively for about two and a half months. But the impact on the golf course was not nearly what it was off the golf course for Matthew Wolf. Mental health has become kind of at the forefront of many conversations in the sporting world lately. And it's so important. And I think we're finally to a point in society uh, with mental health and with professional athletes where there's much more support because I feel like even as recently as probably a decade ago, you know, somebody does stuff like this. I feel like the mentality would have been suck it up, yeah. get out there and do your Look job. What happened to David Duvall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it up, get out there and do your job. That, that would have been the mentality. And I feel like now we're in a place where we see these athletes as human beings, as real people who have real problems that they deal with, real struggles. And every time someone like Matthew Wolf speaks up about what it is that they're going through, it makes it easier for everyone else who might be going through through something to speak up and realize that they do need to take care of themselves because essentially that's what it comes down to with Matthew Wolf. He, he was trying so hard to make sure everyone else was happy. He, he just wasn't giving himself the space to be happy and the, the success, the fame, all of it, the commercials, the fans, it, it came on so fast and it was so overwhelming and everyone handles it differently. And I'm really glad that he took the time that he needed because him just trying to grind through it out there. Wasn't going to do any good for him, his sponsors, the tournaments, the tour. I mean, him going out and shooting 83 doesn't do anybody any good. He took a couple of months off. He got himself right. And I'm glad that he was being so open about it because that just makes it 
okay for the next golfer on the PGA Tour who deals with this kind of stuff to open up about it and seek the help that they need. T-Dub, I thought it was just the word to describe it is courageous because not a lot of people would have the guts to uh, to take two months off in the during major championship season. No, it's ext- extremely hard to make that decision because kind of like you mentioned, it's one of those things where deep down you know what you need to do but at the same time, you want to please everyone else so much that you don't want to let other people down. But in that same sense, you feel like you're letting yourself down, which really isn't the case. And, you know, one thing, I, I might have mentioned this on our on our halfway show. I may not have just because it seemed like over the weekend I saw some more comments coming out because Colby had alluded to that, yes, it is a little bit, it's a lot better than it would have been a decade ago when it comes to scrutiny. But I still saw some some comments out there, people saying, oh, I know it must be so hard being a professional athlete and having all this money and being able to do whatever you want. And it's like, for one thing, I've never been rich a day in my life, but I promise you one thing, money does not buy happiness. And people... And, and, and that's an ig- ignorant take. Just yeah. to say you have money and you're a professional athlete, you you should be happy. That's an ignorant take. Well, and, here, yeah. and here's one of the things, too, that people don't realize is that you know, everyone wants to be successful. You want to be the, the actor that in every movie. You want to be the number one golfer in the world. Okay, well, do you want to be the guy that can't go out to your restaurant without 25,000 people bombarding you for an yeah. autograph? Do you want to not be able to go to any regular event without people taking pictures of you? Especially um, after living normal your whole 21 years of your life, and then all of a sudden, it's just different. Well, and another thing that I don't think people give enough credit to, Matthew Wolf strikes me as the guy who really enjoyed the team camaraderie mm-hmm. of high school golf and college golf. And, you know, you get to, to the PGA Tour, it's a lot of lonely nights in hotel rooms. It's not hanging out with your boys on the golf team talking about, can we beat OU this weekend at the Big 12s? It's a lot of lonely, lonely nights a away from your friends, away from your family, away from your significant other, your spouse, your girlfriend, whatever the case may be. It's just, it's very lonely, especially in individual sports. NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB. I mean, those are team sports. Those are locker rooms. That's Mm -hmm. camaraderie, brotherhood. PGA Tour is an individual sport. It's like golf, tennis, you know, Formula One, whatever. These are individual sports. These are lonely, lonely days uh, grinding to be a professional. And I just think people don't understand how much these these athletes really go through and the sacrifices that they make to be professional athletes. Yeah, and it's not just the team camaraderie uh, thing about it. It's, you know, when you get that type of money and that type of type of fame instantly you're pulled in all different directions uh and matt wolf strikes me i don't want to speak for him but matt wolf strikes me as the type of guy that likes to please other people and but you can't please everybody he, he said that on friday they interviewed him after his round and he said I, I just i really like making other people happy when i can make other people happy i'm happy yeah and that in itself is a huge amount of pressure because he comes out and everybody wants him to be this mega star and he's got this contract with taylor made and he's in the driving relief having mm-hmm. fun doing all this stuff and like you said he's pulled in a million different directions and another thing that people don't uh i think appreciate enough about professional athletes you become a professional athlete and, you know, working on Sports Talk Radio, I've had these conversations with former athletes. And when you come become a professional athlete and get this money, people you've known your whole life, people who've been there for you your whole life are no longer there for you. And everybody's got a handout and everybody wants a piece. And, you, you know, it's just I, I've heard some stories that uh, that, that make you think, man, it, it's, it's tough whenever you first get all that fame and money. 
people change, man. Mm-hmm. People look at you different. And uh, I just think that we, we have to get to a place, and we're close. Like I said, we're better than we were a decade ago. We have to get to a place where we accept that professional athletes are still human beings and they still deal with everyday problems. Yeah, it's like T. Grizzly said it best. Love ain't the same after fame. Ain't, the, ain't that the shame or something along those lines. And, <laughs> and, Shout out T. Grizzly. The great <laughs> philosopher T. Grizzly. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I've learned this the hard way. If you try to please every single person you'll ever meet in life, you'll never be happy. Because yeah. you can't, I mean, even, you, you try your best to even please the people that you care about. And, yeah. yet, and yet you still can't do that, let alone people you'll never meet in your entire life. And, you know, this is the last thing I'll say about it before we move on, is that, you know, it's a lot easier because Kobe brought up the individual sport, which I think makes it so much different, is the fact of, you know, like, for example, maybe not necessarily, even like someone as great as Kevin Durant or some of these either big NBA stars or NFL stars who deal with it, sometimes they can let their talent overweigh themselves but you know you get guys who are maybe a, a bench player or something like that in, in another sport my, my whole point being made is that you know if you're having a bad day or a bad week they can just team sport they'll just throw a sub in for you you know let's just go, put another three-point shooter out there and yep. do it or let's put um you know a quarterback never really happen but running back has a fumble issue or, or mm-hmm. uh, something going wrong with his family let's throw the other running back out there oh matt wolfie it's a bad tee shot what are they gonna do go out and nick heinen gonna go step in and start hitting Team the iron here. shot for him <laughs> you know like the caddy can't substitute for the player here, you know. So I mean, while that's... we're t- hold up, yeah, real quick. While we're talking about Nick, <laughs> I want to be a pro Nick Heinen podcast because he's the absolute man. And I heard some people in the crowd at Tory Pines giving Nick some crap. Nick and got I, heckled. I want to. I want to kick those people out of the tournament. Okay, it was hilarious though. <laughs> Matt Wolf hit a tree on his second shot on. I think it was number twelve or fourteen, maybe on Saturday. They were going for the green, clipped a tree limb, knocks down in the rough, and there's so many people right there in the gallery come on nick nick you're better than that what you giving that club for nick <laughs> yeah. i'm like the caddy never gets heckled why yeah. we're heckling the caddy i, I thought it was kind of funny bryson, it was all in good fun if bryson can throw and people it, out of tournaments nick should be able to throw people out of nick tournaments. fashion he acted like they didn't even exist oh yeah I, I, I saw him have a little bit of a smile on his face he, he, he was definitely taking some humor in it, it looked like so that's yeah. good totally Speaking of our man nick he's got a bigger beard than i do and you Dude, do soon and he and he uh shaved his head he was looking fresh he was week. looking clean he was looking real clean uh but it was just great what matt wolf did mental health very very important uh so make sure that that that's always taken care of uh mental health physical health both very important physical health Back problems. Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley will get you taken care of. It is June 21st. This is the longest day of the year. A lot of daylight. You need to be out playing golf. Can't do that if your back hurts. Go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley. High quality individualized patient care. Total complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America, not just the U.S., all of North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, fellas, favorite hole at Torrey Pines? Top of your head. Favorite hole at Torrey? 18. 18? Taylor? I was about to say 18. It's just hard to go um, just because it's the final hole. So you look at overall I, I tell you what guys 
I like 13. 13 is my favorite hole at Torrey Pines. It's it's incredibly penalizing if you miss the fairway. The layup is super narrow, and if you do hit a good layup, you still have to come up 40 feet to the surface of the green. Uh, it's just the elevation change on the layup, the narrowness, all the bunkering around. 13 to me, I think, is the best hole it's on the a, course. It's a really hard par 5. I don't necessarily like... By the way, Louie got extremely fortunate on that hole that it didn't roll 100 yards back down. Remember when he was in the, oh, yeah. in the right rough? And well, the, the only reason it didn't is because it had topspin coming out of the thick yeah. rough, so it, like, it bounced up the hill. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we saw, uh, was it uh, Sergio that hit the flagstick on 13? Yep, yep. We saw Bryson <laughs> and, and hit the flagstick, and it came back to his feet. And then Bryson obviously hit it in the divot down there. Uh, maybe that hill is a little too penalizing I don't know but maybe I, I, I don't mind it for a par five I, I like 13 too uh one of my other favorite holes is number three headed yeah, I was dead, just about to say that dead downhill into the wind really tough shot we see guys hit it either you know in the penalty area long left we saw that with Brooks and Rom uh multiple times this week uh and then we saw you know great shots by like Scheffler and Henley you know hit it really close yesterday so it's it's a hole where you can definitely have a big swing yeah and, I, I like 17 too the canyon in play i mean we saw it this mm-hmm. week that the canyon's not in play on a lot of holes i wish it was on more holes uh but 17 it's very much in play and obviously played a huge factor in the outcome of the tournament you know what word i didn't hear very much this week that i normally hear at tory pines is ice plant yeah i didn't, didn't talk that. much about it yeah maybe Th- it's they uh, were calling it hitting it in the ice plant in 2008 weren't they Seems like they had to have been. They talk a lot about the ice plants at Pebble too. Yeah, maybe. I, who knows? I, I am the last thing I am is a whatever the uh, name is where <laughs> well, you grow we'll plants. Hey, y'all know why it's called Tory Pines? Um, Not one the, idea. The, the I, I, I know it's by a, a nude beach. That's the only thing I really know about. <laughs> it Tory. is. It is. Uh, first of all, wait. For, I'll get. I'll get to that in a second. First of all, would y'all ever go hang gliding or uh, paragliding? Oh, 110 percent. Yes. Especially if there was a, a major golf championship. Really? That. The no, only I'm way I would play. is if there was a major championship it, where that I had to watch. Like 300 feet dead down to the beach. You know what I've realized as I've gotten older? I'm becoming more of an adrenaline junkie the older I get. I've gotten crazier on skis, whitewater rafting last no week. He we gets got, hurt every time. I was say, that's, why I'm not, that's why I'm shocked you don't have any casts on you. But yeah, anyway, we'll talk. Why it's called Tory Pines is. This doctor, uh, this... Uh, Dr. Beecham, Dr. Brawley? No. <laughs> but yeah, top 40 in America or whatever. Yeah. To, uh, to, top 20 under 40. No. Top 20 under 40. No, so this this Dr. Tory or whatever his name was, he, he's long gone by now. He was an old, uh, old biologist or whatever, and he uh, found these pine trees on the coast of uh, San Diego, uh, and there's only two places in the world that it grows. Uh, it's uh, Tory Pines uh, by San Diego, and I can't think of the other place, but <laughs> I, I remember know. that. I I don't know where, but maybe it's Spain because but, John Rom talked about the fact that Torrey Pines reminds him very much of home, coastal, the canyons, the weather. You know, he be. said it's basically he feels like he's in Spain when it, he goes to Torrey. Exactly. But anyways, Torrey Pines, uh, not named after any golfer or anything, it, and it's just uh, Doctor. I guess the tree is uh, named after the uh, biologist. By, by the way, Torrey Pines. Cool. Torrey Pines more special to Tiger or Rom? Tiger has the. Eight wins in the 2008 U.S. Open. John Rahm, first PGA Tour victory, proposed to his wife on the cliffs at Torrey Pines, and won his first major championship Got married at Torrey there, Pines. too. He did get married he at got Torrey? Married okay, at I Torrey knew he proposed too. there. I didn't know he got he married both. there. Yeah. I mean, you got to say, probably it, it, more important to John Rahm. Especially right now, considering Rahm only has the one major. I mean, if Rahm gets up yeah. to, to and, eight and, majors, they may be different. And it was Father's Day two months after his son was born. 
Yep. It's it, it's pretty hard to beat that. I mean, in all honesty, that's a really good question. Here here's one thing I'll ask guys because uh, me and Colby both agree. We both like thirteen. Here's my take on thirteen. Is that not the most am the least amateur friendly hole in the world? Oh God! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> brutal. You cannot run it up to that green at all. And if you try to, it's coming back to your feet. And if uh, you do like hit a low one up bar- that barely gets over the hill, it's going through the green or, into the back row. And if you try to hit it anywhere up there, the odds of you having the hardest shot in golf, a 70-yard bunker shot over other bunkers, is highly likely, which yeah. we saw Bryson do. I think that is – it's the funnest hole. It's one of the funnest holes to watch, but if you're an a 18 handicap, you might be spending two or three days on that hole. 18 is one of the best finishing holes in golf, too. And if, for anyone who doesn't know, I think we talked about this before – um, a Tour 18 replica of Torrey Pines 18 is where the last hole of 10 Cup was filmed on. So that that really? hole, oh, yeah, that I hole, did not the, know that the eight, then the last hole where more, Roy McAvoy, <laughs> imagine, um, keeps sitting in the water is based off of 18 at Torrey. Oh, really? Yeah, I love where it. he juiced the three wood back into yeah, the water. Yeah, yeah, a little suck back three wood from 270. <laughs> Gus Gu- from the gods, Rome. That's, that's more unrealistic than anything that happened in Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really is. 110%. Uh, Corn Ferry Tour this week. Basically, early in the week, it was just a leaderboard of Oklahomans. Uh, some guys slowly faded on the weekend, but didn't get too far down the list. We had Austin Eckro T13, Michael Gellerman T13, Reen Gibson T13. One stroke further back at T19 was Joshua Creel. You go one more stroke back to T26 is Taylor Moore and Peter Uline. Garrett Reband got in at T34. Started 64-67. Nice to see him uh, break out of that slump a little bit. Quade Cummins, who Monday qualified, was in there at T50. Grant Hirschman from OU as well in there at T50. So a uh, bunch of guys. Kevin Doherty, T57. Bunch of guys made the cut and had pretty good weeks on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I think that a lot of us are looking at, because especially we've talked about the PGA Tour, you and Austin, what, what place did Austin finish again? Uh, T13. 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 Yeah. T7 and T13 now in two starts. Okay, so th- this is a this is a good example to bring up because he's finished top 15 in two straight events, and he's only up to 150th in, in the points. So, I mean, this PGA Tour U ranking system, while it's giving these players so much platform, you got to go out there and you got to ball out. I mean, you got, you got to go out and play some golf now. I, Let me tell I you. I think an underrated aspect of what it does, though, even though it only gets him up to 150th on the list, even if he doesn't earn his tour card this year with Corn Ferry, the amount of money that he'll be able to accrue from his Corn Ferry starts will give him a nice cushion to continue to get into all these events and all these qualifiers and other things, and that'll help a lot of guys out. Well, and I'm excited to see what Eckroat does at the Travelers this week, and then he'll be playing another, uh, what's after the Travelers? Uh, he's playing two weeks in a row on the, three on the PGA Tour. Uh, and I know that Quake Cummins got an exemption into the 3M as uh, well. Yeah, Rocket Mortgage, actually. Oh, Rocket Mortgage. Yep. So D- he, Detroit. That's the one in Detroit. Yeah, 3M's so, in Minnesota. So, Ekro, you know, he won't keep going up those Corn Ferry point, points lists the next couple of weeks because he'll be playing at the Travelers and then Rocket Mortgage. But what it does is it gives him extreme confidence that he can play with these guys, which he already had. I mean, what, he finished, like, tied for 15th or 12th uh, or something? Wolf's well, uh, well, first win was Rocket Mortgage, was it not? It was 3M. Was it 3M? I think so, yeah. yeah okay. he, he, battled, he battled uh, DeChambeau at the Rocket Mortgage last year, remember? And DeChambeau beat he him. He did. Yep, he did. He did. And uh, 
But anyways, yeah, so great stuff. Great start uh, to the career by Austin Ekro. And a big shout-out to uh, Garrett Reban, too, getting out of that slump because yeah, that was a deep, deep slump, and it seems like he's figured something out. Yeah, and even even for Ekro, even if he doesn't get into it, because the top 25 before the uh, the uh, playoff season is probably not realistic unless he wins somewhere. But even if he doesn't get in the top 75, being top 75 to 125, I believe, he'll get some status um, for next year, Corn Fair, even worst-case scenario. Scenario. So, I mean, he's definitely on the right track, and it won't be long before he uh, jumps out on onto the PJ Tour. One guy, uh, guys, who made probably the biggest move this last week besides maybe the winner, uh, Curtis Thompson, who was in 26th place, right on the line, his uh, solo second finish moves him all the way up to 17th. Wow. Which which wow. gave him a big jump. Did so, that knock out any guys that we know? Um, Team Moore dropped from 20 to 21, so his, his steady finishes will keep him up. The McGreevy's still in at 13. How many weeks are left? I think five. I think Let, five, yeah. So, Timor really needs to continue to make some cuts. Yeah, he just you, needs to hold surf. You'll, just just yeah. keep top 25 in, and he won't he won't fall out. Yule Line's in 32nd right now, but he's mm. also played a um, lot fewer events because he's been playing on the, um, yep. the PJ he's Tour. He's in 32nd with a win. Yeah, your boy, yeah. Um, your boy that you mentioned when you're on Huff, um, Huntman, who played in the U.S. Open this last week, Hayden Buckley is in 35th. Yeah. Who I guess you did, had you played golf with him, or he played at Missouri, and I played at Missouri, Kansas City. So they were kind of our rival, and you know they uh, we we got the better of them sometimes, but when we didn't, uh, Hayden Buckley was up there at the top of the leaderboards. And, and here's something else to look at, too, guys. Uh, Charlie Saxon, OU boy, is in 65th, and Kevin Doherty, OSU, is in 70th. And we talk about how much that top 75 plays a factor, so hopefully those guys are able to maintain there. And also, too, seeing just right outside Grant Hirschman, OSU, or an OU boy, is at uh, 90th. So they might have a chance to be able to get up and, and pump themselves up into that top 75. So. Yeah, awesome. Good stuff. Uh, there was one other tournament worldwide. LPGA, Nelly Corda, 62 on Saturday, runs away with it. Worst score of the week with 68 she finishes 25 under and wins headed into the women's pga championship which is this week so i imagine she'll be uh, one of the favorites uh one more thing before we get to our winners of the contest is oh you got a big transfer chris got her up yeah and so that's huge from uh rutgers he was big 10 player of the year a uh, huge pickup from uh ryan hibble yeah just a massive massive transfer and it's good for you because Reban and Quaid out the door. So you got to have some guys yeah. come back uh, and play some good golf and getting the, the, the transfer from Goddard up will be good stuff. So uh, anything else before we get to our winners? I was going to ask, Colby, because it's a nice segue because we saw a lot of these guys play at Prairie Dunes. You played at Prairie Dunes oh, on yeah. Thursday. Tell us about it. Let's, uh, so let's do this. So I know Sam's got to get out of here today. Tomorrow we're going to have so much time on our Travelers uh, our travelers preview before the break. I'm, I'll totally get into it tomorrow. It was... Prairie Dunes is unbelievable. I mean, Prairie Dunes is unbelievable, and I don't want to do it justice by trying to talk about it in 30 seconds. So tune in tomorrow to hear all about Prairie Dunes, my duff chips, uh, my leaving it in the bunker, a couple birdies here and there. So we'll get into all that tomorrow, but we got to announce our winners. Our winners were giving away five 73rd hole branded Yeti Cups, yep. and then one surprise gift. Sam, you take it away. So the surprise gift we'll get to in a second. Let's go through. I'm giving away four. Uh, these next four uh, people that I will be reading off from Twitter, uh, these are just Yeti Cups. This is not the big winner. The big winner will get our Yeti Cup with the 73rd hole logo and a surprise. Uh, but for right now, we're I'm about to list off four winners for just the uh, 73rd hole Yeti Cup. And uh, so I'm going to start it off here with at DaddyCaddy7. Uh, at C Golf Book, uh, at B Walk underscore Sooner, and at Cami 
Wardlaw. So uh, if I am going to DM you guys and I'll get your information and get those out to you. Uh, and then the big winner uh, who's following us on both Instagram and Twitter and subscribed is Coach K Cobbs. Coach K Cobbs uh, will tell, tell him what he wins. He will win a uh, pristine, still in the package flag from the 2008 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. It is sick. It's pretty uh, sweet. It's pretty. I sweet. don't know what it's worth, but it's definitely worth something. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a pretty awesome gift. It's pretty cool, and he'll get a cup as well. So big thank you to. Daddy Caddy 7, C Golf Book, B Walk underscore Sooner, and Cammy Wardlaw. And then the big winner, Coach K Cobbs. Uh, big time uh, gift there. So thank you guys for your support. And we just wanted to do something pretty cool for the listeners on US Open Week. Yeah, we love our listeners. Our listener base has grown. We're getting a lot of loyal listeners, people hitting us up on Twitter and stuff. Uh, and, and we love doing this. And y'all are the reason we love doing it. It's just, it's an absolute blast. Uh, so thanks to everybody for listening and supporting. And hopefully we'll have some more stuff like this coming up in the future. Yeah, yeah. This won't be the last time that we give out some merch giveaway. So thank you all, everyone out there who listens. And I tell you what, boys, after how great of a U.S. Open that we had yesterday, I think the rest of the golf season is just going to keep getting better and better. We got Ryder Cup coming up. Mm-hmm. We got the Open Championship. We'll have the FedEx Cup playoffs. Olympics. Uh, Olympics, um, yeah. which is something that's totally going under the radar. Yep. Um, so, I mean, just so much more golf coming up. Ryder Cup. But that shows how important it is. So yep. Because we, we want to win. So say it three times. Yeah, exactly. Well, we said it enough during Walker Cup week because we kept saying Ryder Cup <laughs> instead right. of Walker. So. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, great stuff from the U.S. Open. Congrats to John Rahm. Golf gods are real. Uh, sweet, sweet justice. Yeah, absolutely. Great for John Rahm. Uh, one and done. Quick update. Taylor extends his lead. He had John Rahm and Thank Patrick you. Reed. Thank uh, you, everybody. Nice. So 10.8 million roughly for Taylor. Also in our big pool, he's in second place out of about 120 people. So he's having a great year. Winners in back-to-back weeks, too, with Higo and Rahm. Uh, Sam, you got about 4.8 million in the one and done. Bryson just killed me yesterday. Bryson killed you, but I also had Bryson, so he I cost had Bryson me some money. And Brooks. I had the beef boys. But I had Bryson and Rahm. So I leapfrogged you. I'm back ahead of you uh, by about 800K. About 808,000. I'm at roughly uh, 5.67 million, something like that. So you've got some some comebacking to do at this point. And to catch up with Taylor, I need about 5.2 million. So going to have to get on a serious heater. (laughs) Yeah. Serious and heater. My heater ain't stopping anytime soon, boys. I'm coming for that number one spot in the big pool, boys. Let's go. go, go let's go. Did You'll anyone, be a little turkey this week, a little gobble gobble. Did anyone cash in DraftKings this week? No. I finished second. No. I. By the way, the uh, the audio that y'all cut up with my lineup that had three guys who weren't even in the field probably would have scored about <laughs> as many points as the lineup I submitted. I had Webb miss the cut. I had Finau miss the cut. My cheap play was Van Royen. He missed the cut. And I had Kokrak miss the cut. I had four missed cuts. My two who made were Shane Lowry, who finished like seven over, and then the 63-hole leader of the U.S. Open, Bryson DeChambeau, who finished <laughs> T26. So, yep. yeah, my uh, my DraftKings lineup was a disaster. But great stuff. Y'all held it down last week. Shows were awesome. Appreciate the Hunt Man coming on uh, Friday night, doing the mid-round uh, recap there, and looking forward to the weekend. It was a great U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Once again, we got three weeks, and we've got another major championship coming up across the pond. Shane Lowry, unless he wins it again, will no longer be the reigning U.S. Open champ. At Sandwich, England. Or, pardon me, the reigning Open champ.
Yeah. No, the, 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 the Open's here. The, the U.S. Open's on. the Open. No, US we're, we're Open, from British the, Open. It's open the British Open. Gold, gold jacket, gold, green Open. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Sam will hit you up on Twitter if you won one of those prizes. We appreciate all of our great listeners. Thanks for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.